Welcome to the 17th episode in our podcast series about positive intelligence. We are Samantha Searling and Charlie Jett, two certified positive intelligence coaches and partners in crime, whose clients include individuals and businesses. I am a team coach at a corporation. In the last episode, Certified Positive Intelligent Coach, Amy Mosier and Charlie discussed the concepts of finding the gift in negative circumstances. And wow, was that powerful. In this episode, Charlie and I will begin the discussion of the five sage powers by discussing the empathize power. The empathize power. And Samantha, the empathize power, as you know, is the first sage power, and it's the most powerful. It's all about love for yourself and for others. It's about love for life itself. Life is my friend, not my enemy. Now, the empathize is the epicenter of the power of the sage. And the empathize power is not conditional. It's not dependent upon anything else. It's about yourself, love for yourself and for others. So to work with empathize uh, sage power, one of the things that we like to do is have you imagine yourself as a child. We often ask for people to find a picture between the age of like three and 10 or 11, maybe 13. And once you have that picture in front of you, take a good hard look at it and then close your eyes and remember yourself as that young person when you were innocent and you were full of curiosity. It's a way to remember who you really are. You can also look into the mirror and see yourself as you really are. You see yourself as you really are. You see yourself as you really were there then. And the important thing to remember as you do this is that you're no longer listening to your left brain and you become capable of deep insight and understanding through objective analysis. Now, Samantha, when we first talked about doing this podcast, we, you had a question about, you know, is this left brain and right brain stuff really accurate? You know, it's not, it's not, uh, it, it is, it is not, what am I trying to say? It's not. Uh, <laughs> Let me help you out, Charlie. Question. Help Basic, me out. Help me out. Basically, you, I came to you and I was like, you know, I've seen several really professional articles from some recognized schools saying left brain, right brain, it no longer is relevant. It's all of your brain. But I asked you, I'm like, how do we handle this? And you're, you came back to me and you said, hey, Samantha, I'm going to go talk to some of my neurologist friends. And I'm like, great. And they came back with some really interesting information that I think that you should talk about, Charlie. Well, I will. But that, that was a powerful question because you challenged the fundamental premise of the positive intelligence uh, process, the left brain, right brain. And you know, you did promote, you did prompt me to contact many neurologists and people who were really experts in this field, who know a lot about, a lot, lot more about than I do, about neuro, uh, neuroscience. And I asked them about this left brain, right brain thing. And they, it, and they came back to me with the following, and I'll just go right to the bottom line. They basically said, you know, this may be an oversimplification, that it's not just absolutely black and white, the left brain, right brain. There's a lot of 
interaction between the left and the right brain. But on the other hand, the concept is correct. There is left brain and right brain. And what you are doing in terms of positive intelligence and saying, call on the sage from the right brain and challenge the saboteurs from the left brain is not inaccurate. It's a great metaphor. It's a great way to understand what happens and put yourself beyond challenging the concept of is this scientifically accurate or not? Basically it is, but in any circumstance, there are differences that, you know, there are, there are different things that, that might be, uh, how do you say, um, not totally black and white, but on balance, looking at the left brain and right brain from the positive intelligence perspective is correct. It works. That's the bottom line. Yeah. You know, the thing works. And they also came down to the bottom line of saying, you know, if this helps your client, it does no harm. You know, it, the, the biggest problem you might have is to convince your client that this concept is correct. This concept works. So the question that you asked was profound, Samantha. And I did follow up on it, and I'm so happy that you did that. And uh, it's just, created it, some really great and interesting conversations between the two of us, Charlie, and some of the people in the positive intelligence community, which has been a lot of fun to watch. And and like you said, the bottom line really is it doesn't matter what words we use; it works. That's it the works. most important part. And Shirzad, and the brilliance of what he did is he took something complicated and made it simple. It may not be 150% technically accurate, but it works. And it, 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 is, it, it, it does work. And it's, and it's fundamentally sound. So I want to thank you for challenging that when we first talked. And uh, I hope that this puts the challenge to the concept of positive intelligence to rest. It does for me. Um, I, I've enjoyed our conversations. And really when we're talking about this, what we're really doing is silence, turning down the volume on our saboteurs and turning up the volume on the sage. If you wanna leave the brain science out of it. And Shirzad did his homework. He, he talked to the right people. And like you said, he narrowed it down and made it easy for anybody to understand. Um, the ultimate goal of positive intelligence is to regulate the imbalance between the positive and the negative. So turn down the volume on the negative voices and turn up the volume on the positive voices. So let's talk about the empathized power. Let's talk about the empathized power and let's turn down the volume of wherever those negative voices come from and get into this empathize thing. So tell me, Samantha, just what is empathy anyway? Well, I'm gonna start with a really bottom line option here, and then maybe we can dig into it a little bit. The ability to understand and share the feelings of yourself in another. And I would like to point out that 
there is a difference between empathy and sympathy. Empathy is sharing the feelings of yourself with another. Sympathy is kind of like a power grab in a way. It's more about making yourself feel better than the other person. So it's, it's a really fine line and I know it's a little tricky and uh, I just want people to be aware of that difference. So when you were, when you were empathizing with someone, you're not just showing them sympathy, you're showing right. them an understanding of the causes of their feelings and the fact that you respect where they're coming from and you understand. Well, let me give you an example. Okay. Let's say you came to me, Charlie, and said, Samantha, um, my dog has cancer and is going to die. Now, if I'm being empathetic, I'll say, wow, Charlie, that's really tough. I'm really sorry to hear that. If I'm sympathizing, I might be like, well, I know a great vet that you can go to that could help your dog. <laughs> so you can see how that kind of changes. Whereas when I'm in empathy, I'm being with you. I'm being present to you. I'm actively listening to you. I'm not trying to fix it. I'm not trying to make it better. I'm just there for you and feeling with you. And when you use the empathy, when you say you're being with someone, that basically sets the stage for using some of the other sage powers, the explore, navigate, and activate. And, uh, and, and you, really, you really are there with your, with your client. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and one of the best ways to show empathy is by having conversations with someone, or sometimes it's just sitting with someone. It really depends on what that person needs, right? And, and then there's the other piece of empathy that I think people often forget about, and that's self-empathy, right? That is, that's a doozy for me. And that's why this is so, this work is so important to me because what I learned about self-empathy and how to be empathetic to myself has been incredibly powerful. Well, Samantha, has been, it's changed my life. Wow. Samantha, tell me, give me an example of when you, when you first applied the power of empathy toward yourself. Charlie, I kind of have to tell you a story about oh, this because it. <laughs> it's, it started a very long time ago. Um, when I was growing up, I did not grow up in the best family. It was um, truly a broken home. It's not like people didn't love me, but there were some real serious problems. And what happened for me is I came to start hating myself and not able to love myself. And so for many, many, many years, I, I tore myself up. If I did something wrong, the voices in my head were so awful. It was like the Grinch was living with me 24 by seven. Basically, if I made a mistake, the, the voice might go something like this. Wow, I can't believe how stupid you are. I can't believe you did that. What were you thinking? How, how is anybody gonna care about you? when you can't even do something as simple as that. And so those voices kind of directed my life. And, you know, as you can imagine, that made me pretty miserable. And often the people around me were kind of miserable because I wasn't a lot of fun to be around. And I am so grateful for this work 
for finding positive intelligence because the bottom line is, is when I first started this, I'd had years and years of therapy trying to come to love myself. And I told my therapist what I was doing and she was all for it because she understood the premises. And so as I worked through the program, slowly but surely, and I mean slowly, this was not an overnight thing. I have come to truly love myself, to care about myself, to believe in myself. And those voices don't control me or run the show anymore. And people around me are quite frankly astonished by the changes that I've gone through. That's beautiful. That's beautiful, Samantha. And I remember when I was a child, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned that one of the techniques you do is take a if you want to, uh, you get involved in uh, coaching uh, uh, of someone, you want to get a picture of yourself when you're a child. And I remember the picture that, that, uh, that, I, that I pulled up as a result of this uh, program and so forth. It was, was a picture of myself and my sister as children when we were, I must have been two years old or three years old, sitting on the ground in a, in a barn with a couple of bum lambs, little, little lambs, and, you know, putting my arms around them and, and thinking, remembering back that I was just an innocent child, just loving these little creatures. Uh, and, and, you know, if I, if I look back and imagine how I felt then, that is, that is kind of, an example of uh, showing a little bit of empathy for yourself. Yes. Do you have the similar kind of a thing? Uh, have you, do you remember anything like that for yourself? Oh, yeah, yeah. I actually, it's kind of funny. Um, when I first started out on this journey, the first picture, I dug through all of my childhood pictures. And at first I was like, I must have a perfect picture of myself in order to find empathy for myself. It was very cut and dry, black and white. And so I found this really great picture that had been done professionally and I was using it, but I couldn't connect to it. And I was talking to my brother about this and my brother's like, oh, I have this picture of you that I really love. So he sends me this picture and it's a picture of me with a little dirty face, but with this big grin on my face and my love of life just shining out of my eyes. And I so connected to that picture. And it really let me connect at that deeper level. And my brother said I had been um, playing and had fallen down and that was why my face was dirty. And somehow that perfect picture that was an artifice, right? It's, it was all fake. I, I started, as I'm going through this, I'm like, of course I couldn't connect to that picture. That was not the real me. The real me was the one out in the mud and the dirt playing with my Tonka trucks and my Barbies, right? And so finding that picture was just a gift in itself. That's incredible. Now, you know, uh, one of the things that you must do as a coach, if you are going to interact with another human being, is to listen to them and listen to what they're saying. And then to, if you want to get at the point where you're going to have empathy for your client and a mutual empathy, if you will, because it's mm -hmm. a partnership when you're doing this, you have to listen at different levels. You have to listen at level two and level three. You have to listen to not only what the person is saying, 
and understanding what the person is saying, but you have to increase the depth of that listening to level three, yeah. where you're sensing the feelings of what is somebody what somebody is 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 talking about. And you you when you do that, you 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 receive uh, signals that you can use to their benefit to provide empathy for them and what they're what they're dealing with in a client situation uh-huh. how have you for example uh experienced that in your in your coaching practice again just like much of what has been going on in my life it imagine me when i first started coaching because i started coaching before i had positive intelligence Yes. And imagine me trying to have a conversation with someone about their own self-empathy when I couldn't even empathize with myself. So I probably wasn't hearing at that level two or three. But as time has gone by, I can really connect with these folks now because I have empathy for the process of going through and finding self-empathy. And so that listening becomes super important. It's not just listening, I, I think, as a coach, we we probably all know about level one, level two, level three listening, but I find myself going into two and three when I'm working with my clients now, especially when I'm feeling a lot of strong empathy for their situation, right? Because at that point, I can connect at a deeper level and my ears, my eyes, everything about my coaching is focused on my client because I'm settled in myself. That's right. Now, I'm thinking of some examples. I'll share with you an example of uh, a difficult circumstance where I've had to show some empathy. And this is from one of my Naval Academy classmates who's been a friend for an awful long time. And he, uh, he, he, we shared the same experience of growing up and being in nuclear submarines but his point of view over the over the years has changed you know his point of view has changed in a i hate to say it in this political world in a different political circumstance than mine and without being specific he's on one side of a political view and i'm on the other and to deal with him has been extraordinarily difficult because you know, I disagree with what he believes in, no matter what it might be. But I try to show empathy, and I try to I try to understand what his needs are, what's going on in his life, and what makes him what makes it important for his happiness. And it's an ongoing struggle to try to maintain the friendship in a divergent situation of political thought where he is going one way and I'm going another, how do you maintain that deep friendship that's been in existence? And I'll be very specific. This friendship has been for 60 years. This has been a long time and I'm doing my best to show the kind of empathy that I can to my friend whom I, you know, while we may differ on things, if we were in battle together and we're climbing 
a hill or whatever you might be doing in battle, I would I would guard his back. You know, I would I would I would watch him forever. But to try to maintain this deep friendship uh, is very difficult, and I have to uh, I have to reach out for the strongest sense of empathy that I can for what he's feeling. Uh, so that's an example of how empathy is a challenge for me. Yeah. In this world, how about yourself? And I, Charlie, I just want to say I'm sorry first because that's tough. It and is. that's happening for a whole lot of people right now. Oh, it is. It is. It's not just military people. It's just people that are your next door neighbors or your family. Yes. So that is, that's really powerful. Well, um, I am sorry about that. And I hope that somehow you don't forget to have self-empathy too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, so um, a story about my empathy. Oh my goodness, um, I don't have to go back too far. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a team coach and I was working in a team and uh, really great team actually, lovely people. They were, they, they, they really didn't need a coach so I felt very fortunate to be there. However, there was a gal on the team that would only come to work once in a while. And it was, it was, I was like, wow, she's really flaky. What is going on here? So, you know, my first response is that I'm flaky and that, um, or that she's flaky and that um, I'm like, what is she thinking? You know, this is a really good job. Why is she behaving this way? Right. And then, uh, so I finally go to my boss and I'm like, hey, sometimes she shows up, sometimes she doesn't. And he's like, well, Samantha, I think you need to talk to her. She has some stuff going on and I don't know if she wants to talk about it or not. But let me just say, you need to accept whenever she's here and just accept when she's not. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. Because my boss has insight to what's going on with her. So one of the times she came into the office, I made a point of going, and this is back before COVID, obviously. I went over and I started chatting with her and she had pictures of her children up in her cube. And I was like, wow, those, those are some great pictures. And she's like, yeah, I, I'm taking a lot of pictures right now and doing recordings. I'm like, well, what do you mean? And she's like, I have stage four breast cancer and I'm dying. So she told me this and I just was stunned because she was young and beautiful and really active and I, I just, I couldn't say anything for a few minutes. And of course I teared up and she's like, it's okay. I'm like, no, it's not okay. <laughs> and so we started to build a relationship that lasted during the last four or five months of her life. And I became very close with her. She would sometimes call me late at night um, because she couldn't sleep because of the pain. But I realized that trying sympathy with her and saying oh I had cancer before just wasn't going to cut it with this situation because it became really clear to me that I didn't I wanted to have a deep and meaningful connection with this person and that's what empathy can give us and so I listened closely to what she had to say and we had a lot of chats and we spent a lot of time on the phone and I was honored to be able to help her through her process as a coach 
it's not every day when you're coaching someone that you have such a special opportunity because she was a very special individual. And um, I still get a little choked up about it when I think about her. My boss ended up being a pallbearer at her funeral and she is still missed. My gosh, that is so, that's so deep and, and meaningful. And it's a demonstration of the difference between empathy and sympathy. You, yes. were, you were with her. You, I was. you talked about being with her and that's what you were. You weren't, sir, you weren't saying, oh, I'm sorry how you feel. You were with her. And I wasn't saying I can fix it because there was no way I could fix that. Yeah, I think that's a lesson for all coaches. Uh, you know, in the variety of circumstances that you have is, uh, is what Samantha was saying is you gotta, you gotta be with your client and you gotta listen. You gotta listen in level two and level three. You've gotta not only listen to what they're saying, but you, you've gotta listen to those things that are not necessarily said, but how yeah. people feel and that, and, and that sort of thing. Well, Samantha, you've been fantastic. You've been, uh, You've been one, a wonderful guest, and I want to ask you if down the line, if uh, you know, we're going to do some more uh, uh, podcasts about the ap practical applications of positive intelligence to your coaching practice, and specifically, mm -hmm. you know, you know how hard you've been working on what your niche is. Yes. And I don't want you to tell us what your niche is right now, but I will ask you that. I want you to, to define what your niche is so that down the line a little bit, we can have another conversation and you can talk to me about, uh, and we can have a conversation about how positive intelligence really works for in the application of your niche. Would you like to do that? I would love to, Charlie. Well, you are such a joy to work with. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, you are absolutely a delightful guest and I, I want to thank you, uh, Samantha, for joining me as a co-host. And as I'll remind our listeners, this episode is the first of the series where we will explore the five sage power. And of course, you know, the first sage power is the power of empathize. And Samantha has clearly demonstrated the power of empathize. Now, before we leave, Samantha, can you, can you tell us uh, how someone can contact you? Certainly. I have a website and it's setyouupforsuccess.com. Setyouupforsuccess.com. Yes. Okay. And anyone is welcome to reach me there. And I'm samantha.severling at hotmail.com. Samantha.severling. Now spell that at hotmail.com. Severling, S-I-E-V-E-R-L-I-N-G. Correct. Samantha.severling at hotmail.com. Fantastic. Well, you know, we'll go back and forth with email, but you know, you can contact me if you want at charliejetcoaching.com and on, of course, this website, which is podcastpq.com, where we discuss positive intelligence, all of the elements relating to positive intelligence and the sage powers, which we will be going through in the next five episodes. And then we will proceed into the practical applications of positive intelligence to various niches that positive intelligence 
can be applied to. So I want to thank you all for joining us. And we'll see you soon in our next episode when positive intelligence coach Angie Alexander and I will discuss the next sage power, the power of explore.